What's up, bro? Welcome to a new episode of the Brand New Show. As you know, I am Brand New, and like always on all podcast platforms everywhere, Brand New Show, social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook, Brand New Show, and of course, YouTube channel, Brand New Show. Oh, man. Let's get into it, man. Um, It's Tuesday, so you already know what it is, man. I believe sports, man. Um, Last week, didn't do one um, because, well... It was the Super Bowl week, and uh, I didn't feel like talking about it. Um, but I will talk about it today, um, the game and how I felt about it, and you know, give my thoughts on it, and you know, what do I expect during the off season of this NFL season? Um, and also, I will be doing some NBA, uh, bringing back a couple of things that I did before, but I'm doing it a little differently, a little different spin on them. And also some boxing that got uh, that happened this past week that I want to talk about. Uh, some matches that are announced. Uh, one of the uh, you know bright stars of boxing uh, fought this past weekend. Uh, well, last let's see, what Thursday? Yeah, like Thursday. Uh, wasn't a great outing, but I'll talk about it. And also like the fights that's coming up. So let's get into it. Um. So, like I said, the Super Bowl was this past weekend. Um, Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers uh, 25-22 in overtime uh, to take their third championship in, what, five years, uh, becoming the first back-to-back champion since the New England Patriots did it 20 years uh, twenty years ago, 2003 to 2004, something like that. So, yeah. Um, what did I think of the game? It was exactly what I expected it was going to be. Very defensive uh, savvy. Very hard hitting. Uh, neither one of these defenses were going to give up too much. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this game was exactly what it was. It was... It was sloppy as hell. I don't think that people will actually say it was, but it was very fucking sloppy. It was a very sloppy game for two offensive teams that's supposed to know how to get certain people in certain positions, but it was a very sloppy game. It wasn't super over the top. I expected it to be very low scoring. I expected it to be in the low 20s, early, low 20s, maybe teen, like Maybe 17, 14, some shit like that. So I'm not surprised by the score or anything like that. Uh, the game exactly went the way I expected it to go. Um, more than anything, man, um, Kansas City uh, winning is, 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 is great. They're officially now technically a dynasty. Um, that's great for them. I'm happy for them. Um, it's a lot of things about this game that a lot of people will sit here and automatically just go at and go towards. One thing I've been seeing is Kyle Shanahan. If you watched me and my brother Wine last night, well, yesterday on our show, Jack Wild, which is on his page, All Sports Talks, you can follow him on there. Um, he pretty much just destroyed Kyle Shanahan. And, uh, and, and, and I understand why, you know what I'm saying? Like, I totally understand why, but... As much as I want to bash Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes also deserves some of this blame. 
there's no way in hell I'm blitzing on a third six when my defenders have been literally as soon as they catch the ball, we have been in their face hitting their ass. I would have never blitzed on third and six. What the fuck sense does that make? I did not understand that. You could at least show them pressure and then drop everybody. At least that would have gave Patrick Mahomes somewhat of a different look. The fact that you literally blitzed everyone and was like, go man to man. The fuck? What? What? What logic of defense is that? Like, what sense? Why the fuck would you blitz Patrick Mahomes? If you're not going to get that too, like, you, if you're not going to get there, what's the sense of blitzing this motherfucker? Like, it didn't make any fucking sense. There was a couple of plays Steve Wilkes called that were just, like, fucking mind-boggling. Like, even the last play of the game when, when they scored that touchdown, it's like, bro, it's the same fucking play they always run. They literally ran it last year in the Super Bowl and scored a touchdown on it with Sky Moore. Like, that's the Kansas City special. Like, it's literally every fucking – Every game I've ever seen Kansas City play, they've ran that play. And they've scored on it every single fucking time. So if you couldn't defensively scheme against that, your ass deserved to lose. Like, that is the stupidest damn thing on the planet. Um, But Kansas City is not exempt from this shit. Yeah, see, here's the thing. When you win, a lot of people will not criticize you. But at the same time, Kansas City did not have a great game either. Like, that was a terrible fucking game. I Like I told my brother Juan yesterday, if I was the, if I was really the person that was over MVPs, like, if I was really over MVP uh, conversation, Super Bowl MVP conversation, I would have gave that shit to Harrison Buckner. Like, Harrison Buckner kept the Kansas City Chiefs in that game. Those field goals, the 57-yard field goal that he made to get them, for to get them, what, 10 to 6 um, before halftime, like, um, yeah, I would have gave that shit to Harrison Buckner. Like, that, he deserved the MVP. Like, he kept him in that fucking game. Like, he hit a 57-yard field goal to get them to get them down by four, which if you would have had San Francisco actually score some of those times when they were down the field, would have been in a very costly situation. Um, but to be down only four, and then, of course, the turnover on the punt, on a muffed punt, you score, and then you're up. So, but Harrison Buckner would have won the MVP to me. I mean, yeah, Kansas City drove down the field, but they could never put the ball in the end zone. Kansas City had scored, Kansas City scored literally two fucking times. Kansas City scored two times in this game. The touchdown off the muff punt from San Francisco, and then the overtime touchdown. That was the only two times Kansas City scored the entire fucking game. Like I said, I would have given the MVP to Harrison Buckner because without him, Kansas City would have never fucking had points on the board. Ever. And if you're not going to give it to Harrison Buckner because he's a kicker, cool. But at least give it to Chris Jones or, you know, you know, LeJarrius Sneed. Somebody. Because just giving it to Patrick Mahomes is just a fucking cop-out. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes don't deserve the MVP conversation for the Super Bowl. But like me and my brother said, and like me and my brother Juan said, this might have been his best Super Bowl performance. He's been in the Super Bowl three times. This might have been his best Super Bowl performance. That's a damn shame. That's a damn shame.
Um, I see a lot of people saying that both teams got tired. Both teams were worn down. Both teams. I'm be honest. I think San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco should have lost this game earlier than what they lost this game. You lose a guy like Dre, uh, Dre Greenlaw, on mo- the most goofiest shit I've ever seen. And he just just popped his Achilles. You could tell he popped it. The moment he like got on the interview, oh shit! You could tell he popped it. You could see it in the camera, like when he when he when closed up on it. Oh my god, that shit was bad, man. Um, but seven, this game to me, more all in all, man, was exactly what I expected. Um, Kyle Shanahan deserves yes, he deserves the blame. There's no way in hell you get the ball. And it's third and four in, like, the 13-yard line. You know your kicker has struggled for most of the fucking season. He had a PAT blocked in the game. And you were like, let's go for a field goal and get a ball to Patrick Mahomes. When all he has to do is just score a touchdown. What logic is that? What sense does that make? My, I would have called two plays. I would have had two plays ready. The first play, I'm giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey on that third and fourth. Fuck, I don't care how we got to do it. We getting that ball to Christian McCaffrey, and we're going to run straight up the fucking hole. I'm going straight up the gut. Fuck the bullshit. You keep going side to side. Now you can get him right up the gut. Give it to Christian McCaffrey. Let him get the fucking first down. If he don't get it, at least now you know fourth and two or fourth and one. We could sneak Brock Purdy some way, somehow, some shape. Get him in the first. Like, like, I'm not giving Patrick Mahomes the ball back without knowing 100% he's got to score a touchdown. And the game will continue to keep going. But for the most part, man, uh, yeah, Kyle Shanahan definitely deserves the blame for that stupid shit because this is the second time. This, I just, this is like the third time you've been in the Super Bowl, one as a coordinator, two times as a head coach. When, it, when the game got tight, now, I can say the first time they got to the Super Bowl with San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo, he did believe in his quarterback because he let him throw the ball down the field. Now, he just over, he, like, he just overthrew it, and that was that was the thing. But then he punt the fucking ball. Like, I get it, it's four and six, but I'm not punting the fucking ball, nigga. You're going to have to just figure that shit out. But to watch this game and him just non-trust – Brock Purdy, and I've been very critical of Brock Purdy on my podcast. I've been very critical on me and my brother Juan's podcast. I am not a super, super huge Brock Purdy is elite quarterback. I am never going to 100% say that. I think that next year will tell me more about him than this year ever could because San Francisco is getting older. They got a lot of injuries. They got a lot of players that might be, you know, non-existent on the team next year. You might have to trade some people. You might have to physically let some people go. So, if Brock Purdy could do what he did this year, next year, with less talent, then all right, then we could have this conversation. But if it's still the same stacked-ass team, I'm not giving you no credit because at the end of the day, bro, you got a fucking all-star team. Of course you're supposed to be this good. You don't have to do shit. You really don't have to do shit but not fuck up the game plan. But Kyle Shanahan did it again to himself. And what did he do? He literally took the ball out of his quarterback's hands. He's like, I'm not gonna force you to to win me this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe. And 
Now, some people say it was a bad decision to score to kick the field goal and then go for the touchdown, and some people say it was this and that. My thing with this is, if I got, if I know Patrick Mahomes is on the other sideline, if it's Patrick Mahomes, if it's Joe Burrow, if it's Lamar Jackson, if it's somebody that of that caliber on the other sideline, I am not kicking a fucking field goal. I am going for a touchdown. Either I get this touchdown, or we just gonna lose. Fuck it, we just gonna lose. Cause I am not letting these motherfuckers get. I I, I can't. I can't allow it. All in all, man, Kansas City won. I'm happy for them. Um, yes, it was the worst season that they had all season. Y'all know how I felt about Kansas City this whole year. Wasn't really too 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 favorable towards those dudes, but at the end of the day, they got it done. Um, the question really is now: Is Kansas City gonna three peat? And the answer is fuck no. I I am not. I could I could be completely wrong. In 2025, I could be eating my words next year around this time and being like, well, they did it. I can't believe they did it, but they did it. But in hindsight, there is no fucking way Kansas City is fucking 3 P. They have way more people. Chris Jones could be gone. Or you're going to have to resign him and pay him a lot of money. But then you're going to have to lose LeJarrius Sneed, which I don't know if Trent McDuffie's ready to be the number one guy. I don't know if he is. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. So, I don't know what Kansas City is going to look like next year. Just like San Francisco. San Francisco is a little bit more easier to detect, detect what they might be. Whereas Kansas City, it's not as easy. You don't know if uh, – I know Andy Reid and Travis, Kel- Travis Kelsey is probably coming back next year. But Andy Reid, yeah, he might be like saying that shit right now. But then during the offseason, he might be like, you know what? I got three rings, bro. I don't. I got like what? I got yeah. I got like three rings. I'm I'm good. Like I don't. I got three rings. I'm in a conversation. Yeah, I could keep going to try to chase, you know, Belichick and 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 what he did. I could, I could do it, but what the fuck is the point? Like I've done enough in my career where I've had. I've now I've been consistently dominant in the NFC. With the Eagles for like what a decade plus, got them to like what five, six, seven, eight NFC Championship games. Now I've gotten Kansas City to like five, six, seven, eight championship games, and now I got three Super Bowl rings. I only took the and I took the Eagles to the Super Bowl once. Like this man's like accolades is 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 pretty damn unstoppable. So I don't know what you do What you know, what with, with Andy Reid, but I don't know. One thing I also want to address is the bump. Now, if you watch Super Bowl, you know what I mean by the bump. Travis Kelsey uh, got upset with Andy Reid um, in a game, uh, I guess, because he wasn't on the field when the Kansas City Chiefs fumbled the ball. So they got he got upset. Ran up on Andy Reid, bumped him. Now, this is one thing. I've seen now people have literally tried everything under the sun and tried to, you know, pretty much make excuses for it. But if that was any other player, and I don't want to bring race into it, but we all know what I mean by that. If this was any other player, 
this would be a way different fucking conversation, bro. Even if they won, this would be a way different conversation. And me and my brother Juan, like I said yesterday, talked about this. And I said Travis Kelsey's starting to get like Draymond Green with the Kansas City Chiefs. An incredible tap. Now, Travis Kelsey's way more talented for what he does for the Kansas City Chiefs than Draymond Green does for the Golden State Warriors. But look at them. Look at them. There's, they are the big part. Of, they are the most important part of the offense outside of Steph Curry, outside of Patrick Mahomes. Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes are considered two of the greatest players of their time. They just so happen to share the court in the field with two guys that they technically really do need to succeed in this league, in their, in their respective leagues. They have now won three championships. Go to State has won what? Four, I think, together? Criticism, coaching decisions, and just the fair share of just not uh, of, of not having to answer to anyone. Draymond Green would go to State. Travis Kelsey with the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody's going to give this a second thought because they won. And also, Travis Kelsey right now just seems like a very untouchable human being. Y'all know why. I don't have to go too far into that and why that seems that way. But it does seem a little weird that nobody really has talked about this. And nobody has really tried to make it seem like... I'm not saying it has to be a problem, but it's it's something, man. Like, the fact that they're just ignoring the shit and just being like, Ah, oh, it's passion. And it's... it's no! this See, like I said... If this is one time, it's a it's one thing. This is not one time, bro. This has been he did it in the Raiders game. He's done it numerous times this season, where he's thrown his little temper tantrums and felt some type of way about how the game was going. Again, it's one thing to do it in just a regular old football game. When you go up on your head coach like that in the Super Bowl. Come on, man. Especially with Andy Reid and his health problems over the last couple of years. And that's the way you want to you wanna handle that shit? Come on, bro. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I get it. He's with old girl. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's disrespectful as fuck to a, 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 a actual legend. A actual fucking legend in Andy Reid. And you just sitting there and you just ran up on this man on Super Bowl. On live TV, and nobody's like, oh, yeah. This man, like like, like I heard today on The Herd, and Nick Wright said it perfectly well. Like, yo, Andy Reid, like, Stefan Diggs becomes a meme because he throws his hands up and asks for the ball. Travis Kelsey literally created elderly, had elderly abuse on TV. <laughs> this, motherfucker, this motherfucker had elderly abuse. This motherfucker hit Andy Reid like he was a fucking linebacker in the game. And we just like... Ah, that's just, you know, ah, it's just, it's nothing. They love each other. It's passion. He keeps me young. That's something, man. Like, that is, because that's not the first time, like I said, the season that he's done that. He's done it numerous times. To Andy Reid. Like, bro, this this is not a, this is not a one-off. Like, this has been going on this entire fucking season. But again, you choose to ignore it because of who he is, where he's at in his career, and maybe even in the media's eyes of why, you know, in the media's eyes. Because Andy Reid, of course, 
saved his ass because Andy Reid was like, nah, it was just, you know, he's telling me he loved me and, you know, he keeps me young. And he knows eyes is on Travis Kelsey right now. He doesn't want to put him in any situation where he might have to answer to that shit, especially at this moment in his career where everybody's paying attention to him and in his personal life. So I don't, I don't, but at the end of the day, man, that's some shit you got to check, my guy. Like, that, that's some shit y'all got to check because that's some disrespectful shit, bro. I don't give a shit what nobody say. That's fucking crazy that he just going to get away with that. But, you know, it is what it is. Until the victory goes, the spoils, I guess. Um, now it's the offseason. And with that being said, now it's time to switch our minds to the NFL draft. And that's this upcoming uh, April. Uh, me and my brother Ryan are going to be doing our mock draft show in March. The Scott and Combine, I think it's in, this, like, not this week. Um, maybe next week, I think. Maybe next week. Maybe the week after next. Um, but, of course, everybody already knows, like, the number one, you know, uh, number one pick goes to the Chicago Bears. And for the last couple of days, I've been seeing, maybe because of, you know, what I've always said about Keller Williams. So, of course, on TikTok, you know, your algorithms start to pop up and start to give you shit that you kind of agree with. So, the last couple of days, I've been seeing, you know, Merrill Hodge and and, and 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 Keyshawn Johnson and, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, if I was Chicago, I really wouldn't trade Justin Fields to go get Keller Williams just to be in the same fucking predicament you're going to be in now in three years, which I've been saying, like, if I don't think Kayla Williams is a game changer. Like, a lot of people sitting up here and acting like that fucking word, right? Game changer. I have said this numerous times. I do not think Kayla Williams is a game changer. I think Kayla Williams is good in the predicament that he's in, in the situation that he's in. But you could barely get your team out the Pac-12. Out the Pac-12. People forget when you was in Oklahoma, you... Barely won the job from Spencer Rattler. Like, with, by the way, the same head coach, the same offense, better players in Oklahoma than you do in USC. And the fact of the matter is you cannot fix it. Like, that, that shit is, is nuts to me that people will still sit up here and tell me because of a couple of plays he does every game, he's Patrick Mahomes. What the f- what are you talking about? No, he's not. Why the fuck would you say that? But people have this broken idea like Keller Williams is. And here's the thing about highlights. Highlights are always going to look nice. Highlights are always going to look, look, look amazing when you're clipping for one moment. But I'm talking about an entire football game. Can he do it? And I saw him play against Notre Dame this year. He got rattled and he got rattled quick. He got undone fast than a motherfucker. That happens every week. Keller Williams is not that fucking, he's what, six feet maybe, I think? That might be it. Like I said numerous times, he is to me what Bryce Young was last year. A lot of people are hyping this dude up, and I don't think he's, we're continuously thinking he's going to a situation that's going to automatically benefit him. He's going to the worst situation in the NFL. That's the fucking purpose of having the number one pick. It's the worst team 
in the NFL. Why the fuck are you acting like that's not the purpose of having the number one? And here's the thing. Chicago is not the worst team. But the fact of the matter is Chicago isn't good. They're still not good. They're still in the top ten of picks this year. And now you want to sit there and tell me that team, what Taylor Williams is going to do, what Justin Fields couldn't do. I guess, man. He's a little bit more accurate than Justin Fields, and that's about it. I do not see anything. He's not more athletic than Justin Fields. He can't get the fuck out the pocket like Justin Fields. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it, and I don't get it. And maybe that's that's just me. But I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Caleb Williams fan. Me and my brother Wine just did our like our five, you know, uh, charts for the quarterbacks and everything. And me and him both had Caleb Williams at number five. I don't see it. Like, I, I don't see why people keep screaming if he goes to this franchise, he's going to automatically be the guy or that he can automatically turn him into playoffs. Like, he's not that guy. Like, I don't know why people keep thinking, like, that he's Patrick Mahomes. He's not. I hate the comparisons. Like, stop comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. He makes one or two plays like Patrick, and now everybody thinks he's Patrick Mahomes. But I just saw Patrick Mahomes have the worst statistical season that he's had since being the starter. He just raised another fucking Lombardi. Kayla Williams is in a US with the USC Trojans in the Pac-12. He could barely get 10 wins in a season. What? Again, like I said, Patrick Mahomes came to went to Kansas City. People forget Kansas City had to trade down to get him. They literally were like the 24, 26 pick in that year's draft when they got Patrick Mahomes. They had to trade down. They had to trade to get to Patrick Mahomes. They got him at like the 10th, 11th pick. I think it was the 10th pick, and then I think Houston drafted Deshaun Watson with the 11th. Or maybe I'm flipping them because I think Deshaun went first and then Patrick Mahomes went. And that's why Kansas City traded. But, yeah, like, bro, like, like, pump your brakes on Caleb Williams. Like, is he good? Yeah, he could be. He's going to be good. Is he a franchise-changing quarterback? Fuck no. He's not that. In the right situation, he could be. But I feel like just like Patrick Mahomes, and people forget this for some apparent reason, Patrick Mahomes set for a year. He didn't just start right away. He sat for a year. You're telling Keller Williams, go to a franchise and start right away. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. And you're going to derail this kid's confidence. And that's any team that drafts him. That isn't a stabilized franchise that have already somebody that can just be there for the moment. That's any franchise. If you do not have a quarterback, that's already there, a veteran, a real veteran there. Like, let's say Minnesota or like, I won't say Pittsburgh, but eh. Um, but a Denver, which they're going to probably trade Russell Wilson anyway. But you're going to still have Jared Stidham. Like, you need a veteran to play. Washington's a good place, and I think they will trade up to the one position because they got stuff Chicago could actually use. They got a weapon. 
Now, I don't know if Chicago does draft a receiver, but the ninth pick or wherever they fall at the time when they do draft. But if I was Chicago, I would trade and try to get uh, Scary Terry. I'll try to get Scary Terry or Jahai Dotson, one of the two, because that, that's my whole thought on it. So, yeah, but I'm not a, I'm not a super huge sold on Keller Williams fan. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm sorry. Like I'm not. But let's get into it, man. So, Tiafimo Lopez fought this past week. Uh, the I want to say the Thursday or the Friday before the Super Bowl. I can't remember which day, but I know he fought. Um, the first half of the fight, it went to um, it went to the guy that he's fighting. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but um, that first half of the fight, it went to him. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Tiafimo looked so dejected for most of the fight. Um, again, do I think that he won? The the yeah, he won. I mean, he won because here's the thing: if you do not physically tag him, or physically beat him, or physically dominate him to the point where to the point where you know that you dominated the fight, and that's the problem. Like the first, you know, four or five rounds, six rounds when the fight, you know, the fight shifts at some point. The dude just he he did a, a, an amazing game plan. He went to Southpaw. He kept Tiafimo pretty much guessing for most of the fight. He made Tiafimo actually have to try to figure him out. And all he had to do was just wait for Tiafimo to kind of come in and he could just tag him here and there. The problem with that was is that eventually you're going to have to – Tiafimo could get you. And when he does get you, he's going to hit you. He's going to hit you, make you feel it. But what I've seen and, – and I've seen this for the last couple of fights. I've seen some of these top guys have. You know, Shakur Stevenson, Tiafimo last week. You know, a lot of them are struggling in these fights. The only person that a lot of people could sit up here and say that out the gate had a great fight was Devin Henney. And that was it. And even that fight, Regis Progress really just didn't do shit. He kind of just left himself into, into those shots. Um, but the last couple of fights I've seen people fucking have is, is it, it didn't do good. Teofimo just... Yeah, he won the fight, and I think that that's the thing. Like, people are like, ah, man, the dude should have won that fight. Nah, man, he should have won that fight. But at the end of the day, like, Tiafimo is the champion. So as long as he can keep it competitive and keep himself in the fight, which, again, the dude didn't really dominate the fight. He just kept Tiafimo guessing for most of the night. But that was the biggest problem. Tiafimo should should have not have been in that type of situation, which he was. He should have been better equipped to fight in that type of matchup. Um, because this is now what the what, third, fourth time that I've seen him, you know, fight like this and, and have a situation like this where he just startled for most of the fight. Like the you know, that's not good, man. That's not good. The last and and then you 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 retired after you won the title and then you come back and have this type of outing, it's just like yeah, that's not good. Um, speaking of Devin Henney, um, he has agreed to fight Ryan Garcia. Uh, 
Um, they will be. They will fight April twentieth in Vegas. Um, my thoughts on this fight is that uh, Devin don't have it. Devin doesn't have the power to knock out uh, Ryan Garcia. I'm not saying that to like be funny. I'm not even saying that shit to like disrespect him. I'm just saying when you fought Regis and you tagged Regis a couple of times in that fight, you toyed with him. You played around with him. And this is why I keep saying that if he fought Tank Davis, Tank is going to fuck him up because you don't have the killer instinct, bro. You just don't. You cool with people saying, well, he tagged him. He knocked him down. That's not good enough. And, I, and that's what I feel like also with the Devin Haney fight with Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia does not have to do – if Ryan Garcia does, does not do anything stupid, like get himself into a, a, real, actually, a real actual boxing match with Devin Haney, he, if he doesn't muddy it up, like get physical with him, try to establish some, some type of physical state with him, <clears throat> establish his jab early, try to get him counting a little bit off his game early, then Devin could control the fight for most of the fight. All he got to do is just keep the jab up and keep tagging Ryan Garcia because Ryan Garcia is not a fucking boxer, man. He's good. He can do some things. <clears throat> But he's too damn dependent on his hook. And if he never gets it, just like the Ryan Gus, like just like the tank fight, he's accessible to, to to loading it up too much. And he's too dependent on that hook. Especially if you also don't jab in that night, in that fight. If Devin keeps it, like I've said for the Regis fight for Devin. If Devin jab, keep defense up, he can beat anybody. Because his defense is pretty damn good. And he can jab. He can he can keep the distance. The one thing about this fight with Ryan Garcia is what Devin is going to do. And I think he might have the game plan of what he had in the Regis Prograde fight, which is not let his power come into play. Strike him while his iron is hot. Keep the jab up. Keep him away from you as much as you can. Because, like I said, Ryan Garcia is not that good of a boxer. He's not. Like I don't I don't think people want to acknowledge it because it's just like well he's. He's at least trying to get all these big fights. I respect that. And he's going to lose in all of these big fights. Like, because he just isn't that guy. He can't outbox anybody. And that's the damn problem. Like, I know Tank, I know Tank can, can box if he needs to. I know Devin can, Devin's whole game plan is boxing. <clears throat> I don't know if that's Ryan Garcia's game. I don't know. Because I've seen him fight a couple times. He's not that great. Even when he fought uh, uh, Luke Campbell. When Luke tagged his ass. It's like, bro, you can't have those types of fights with guys that can actually hit you. Because you don't... You're not really that great at defense. You're not. He's not really that great at defense. He doesn't have the footwork to stay upright with somebody like a Devin Henney if he can apply the pressure and keep the jab on and keep him, again from low enough for that hook. And if you can't control your, and if you can't get your jab going, you're probably going to be shit out of luck in most of this fight. So I don't know what's going to happen. April 20 is going is a long way from now. I mean, what is it? Two months away. It's a long way from now, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure that Devin's got this fight in the bag. Um, because I can tell right now, like as long as Devin doesn't do anything stupid, like drop his hands or like, like try to try to go physical with him, 
you're not going to win that because you don't have the power to handle that. And you damn sure don't have the chin to take a punch from him. But they have sparred before in the past. We all know. We've seen the clips of them being in the Olympics and all these places against each other. We've seen it all. Uh, so what do I expect to happen? I expect Devin to beat him. Devin's actually the better boxer. Now, where, where Ryan Garcia kind of can fuck him up is if Devin drops his hands and Ryan catches him. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie to this fight, you know, the, the smaller version, the smaller version of Tyson Fury and, and, and Deontay Wilder. That's what I'm going to tie to this fight because that's exactly what the fuck it is. Devin, Devin Henney's more of a boxer who can control the pace and control the fight with the jab and outside angles and everything. While, you know, Ryan Garcia is, is just looking for that one punch. And if he never gets it, then it's an easy fight for Devin. And that's the problem. Like, I don't think Ryan Garcia has learned anything from the tape fight. He fought Oscar, and Oscar really didn't do shit that whole night. He kind of really didn't even try to physically pressure you. And that's the problem. So, yeah, I got Devin in this fight. Uh, but anybody, anything is possible in boxing. That's the one thing about people that don't understand. It just take one shot. <laughs> you just take one motherfucking shot, and your ass is on the canvas looking at the stars. So, yeah. Now let's get into it. So, The NBA is rolling into the All-Star break. Um, the All-Star game is this weekend, which sounds absolutely crazy, <laughs> but it's the All-Star game this weekend. Um, the trade deadline just happened, like, this past week. Last Thursday, I think, was the trade deadline. Um, not a lot of crazy moves. I mean, Patrick Beverly got traded to the Bucks. Um... Yeah, not like a lot of crazy moves. Uh, Gordon, Gordon Hayward got traded to. I can't remember who Gordon Hayward got traded to. I remember he got traded somewhere. I think the Thunder. Yeah, I think the Thunder. Um. Yeah, not like a lot of crazy moves. Um, the Lakers stayed intact, which I guess do you think? Um. Yeah, I'm not too surprised by this game by the trade deadline. I didn't expect too many people to get moved, even though people every year think it's going to be some crazy-ass move. Nothing is going to happen to the point where you got to trade somebody massive. Like Atlanta or, like, you know, somebody like Trey Young or somebody got traded tonight. That's a little different. But nobody's going to swing the pendulum that hard this year because there's too many players, too many situations, too many options on the board for them to to uh to have. But – it is what it is. Like I said, the All-Star Weekend is this weekend for the NBA. Um, and tonight I am starting my Power 5 of the NBA teams. Uh, so let's get it going. Now, my Power 5 is going to be just like I do with my Big 4. Uh, my, uh, you know, I do for my Big 4. Or I do for my uh, my Crazy 6 for college uh, basketball. I mean, college football. It's the same. Um, do 1 through 5. Talk about why. Yeah. Let's get into it. So, number one out the gate is the best team in the NBA with the best record, and that is the Boston Celtics at 41-12. and 12, The Boston Celtics are rolling through the season. Um, I don't know if they're going to win an NBA championship. I do not know. Um, if everybody's healthy, then, yeah, 
I think they can. I think they can get it done. Um, the thing about Boston that, that again, is the health. It's the health of Kristaps Porzingis. It's the health, you know, of Tatum and Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday. More importantly, it's the fact that this team has been together for so long, the nucleus of this team, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It works in perfectly with the Kristaps Porzingis and the, and the Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, who has won a championship before. He knows how it feels to win a title. This is why they went out and brought him in. And this is the beauty of having a Drew Holiday because maybe Milwaukee didn't see it anymore in him, but he is definitely still one of the best perimeter defenders in the league and can definitely still play your best guy on the perimeter. So especially with a guy like a Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, who have the ability to do what they do. Um, and like, again, if Kristaps Porzingis is healthy, He's one of the best rim, uh, rim protectors in the league. So um, Boston itself is is that dangerous team. Now, like, again, I don't know if they're going to win the NBA Finals. Can they get there? Definitely. As much as I love the Eastern Conference this year, you know, the Knicks have had, the Knicks have had a run. The Cavs have had a run. The Bucks are still always a dangerous team. Philly, if they get Joel Embiid back, then yeah. But, um... Indiana is 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 a is a threat, which I've been saying for a while. That Indiana is kind of a threat. The Magic, who yeah, they're young, but anything can happen with a team like that because you don't really know them. You don't know what you're getting yourself into, especially in the playoffs with a team like that because you don't fucking know. Um, but yeah, but Boston is my number one team. Number two is a team that leads the Western Conference right now. And that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, with a record of 35, uh, 37 and 16, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, beat the Los Angeles Clippers last night to to take officially the one game lead over the the um, take a one game lead over the uh, the Clippers going into pretty much the All Star break. Well, they got at least I think one more game before the All Star break, but. Um, led by Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, they have one of the best defenses in the league. Now, again, this isn't this is not the problem for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I knew Minnesota was going to be good for the start of the season. I'm not surprised that Minnesota is having this type of season. This is what Minnesota is supposed to be last year, um, with the Rudy Gobert pickup and you know and 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 the Carl Anthony Towns being there. Anthony Edwards has officially come into his own. It's clear as day that Anthony Edwards is now. Um, the leader of the team, which I've been saying for a while, is that Minnesota is going to have to eventually have to say, you know what, this is Anthony Edwards. We're going to just ride off with Anthony Edwards. Whatever he does, that's how we're going to play. And I think that's the best thing for the goddamn Minnesota Timberwolves is to have Anthony Edwards be the guy. I've been saying that for a while, that he is the franchise player. Carl Anthony Towns can still do what Carl Anthony Towns does, but it's not like he, you need him to be the number one guy, the number one option which you're clearly seeing now that that's exactly what's happening. So, um, yeah, um, Minnesota is that. My thing with the Minnesota Timberwolves, though, is not the regular season. That is the thing. I don't care that they're good in the regular season because I knew they were going to be good in the regular season. That's not my problem with the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the playoffs. When you put Carl Anthony Towns on the court with Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gobert can't defend pick and rolls, and Carl Anthony Towns is really not that great of a defender to begin with. Hence the reason why you went to go get Rudy Gobert. 
when you get in the playoffs, Anthony Edwards, I have no doubts, will show up in the playoffs. But it's really those two because those are the two guys defensively you kind of need, especially Rudy Gobert, who has shown you in playoffs in years in Utah. He sucks at pick and roll defense. He is terrible at this shit. And once you start to play the Dallas Mavericks again with Luka and Kyrie, and you play certain teams in the playoffs, like the Pelicans, like the Kings, like the – depending on if the Lakers and the Ghost State Warriors can get there, they're going to play you like that. They're going to play – Denver, of course, with Jamal Murray and, 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 and the Joker. They're going to start to play you with that. That's the they're gonna be their whole game plan is to physically try to run you over with the try to get you out of your placement with pick and rolls. So knowing that Rudy Gobert has sucked at that in the playoffs, you damn right I'm a little bit skeptical of Minnesota. This is not the problem. I think they can get the number one seed. I think they can keep the number one seed. That's not my problem with Minnesota. My problem with Minnesota is the playoffs, and I don't think Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert defensively is going to be great. I think they're going to – this is going to be a bad situation for them. I personally, if I was Minnesota, I probably would have went and got another rim protector that can actually just be on a court and play just defense that isn't named Rudy Gobert but can kind of do certain things on offense that we need. I know I think they still got Nasir Reed, you know, and stuff like that. But, yeah, if I'm Minnesota, that's a, that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's a shaky one. That's a fucking shaky one. But – yeah, they're number two though. Regular season, regular season right now, they're the number two team in the league. I don't, I don't think anybody can tell me that that they're not. Uh, the number three team that I have my 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 list is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have been rolling through the season since January. They've been dominating, man. They lost last night. They had a nine game winning streak. Lost last night to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, but. I remember earlier in the year, and people were like, oh, they're going to go trade and go get Donovan Mitchell. They were like, they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell. Nigga, for what reason? Like, the logic of people are stupid. They're going to trade Donovan Mitchell. We just got him last year. Why the fuck would we trade him this year? That makes no sense. Make that make sense. Whatever. But ever since then, the Cavs have been off to a fucking fantastic start. They're killing it. 35-17 and 17 is the record. Um, they sit second in the Eastern Conference. It's crazy to say that they sit second in the Eastern Conference. This is what the Cavs supposed to be, man. This is what, exactly what they're supposed to be. An amazing backcourt with Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. You got Evan Mosley, Evan Mosley, and Jared Allen. Um, this is what you in Carl Carl Levert. This is what this team is supposed to be. They have the, the pieces to get there. Now, do I think they can batter the Boston Celtics? I don't know. I don't know. And it's not because I don't think they can. I got to see it. In a seven-game series, both healthy, I think Boston could take it. I'll be honest. I think Boston could take it. But... Not saying Cleveland won't push them to seven fucking games. Now, that's the difference. Because if Cleveland can push them to seven games, anything happens in seven games, man. Anything can happen. So, you know, as much as I like a lot of the Eastern Conference teams, Cleveland right now to me, Cleveland got to avoid 
I think Cleveland, unlike Boston, Boston doesn't have to avoid too many teams. Like, to me, I think Boston could get Milwaukee. I think Boston could get Cleveland. They could get Philly. Like, they could get teams. Cleveland, to me, feels like they got to avoid certain teams because certain teams could kind of get them. Boston's one. If they could get their shit together, Miami's one. Because Miami's going to run with you. They're not going to just let you run them over. They're going to continue to play. Especially in the playoffs, Jimmy Butler is a different fucking animal. So is Donovan Mitchell. So it could be a cancel out. But that's just me. But And I think the Knicks. Like, you can't play the Knicks. You can't play the Pacers. Like, it's certain teams for me. That's why Cleveland isn't in my top. Like, isn't top two. That three, though. I think the run they've been on the last couple of weeks has been great. Uh, the last couple shit for a month now, they've been pretty dominant, pretty good. But for Cleveland, man, it's it's it, to me, it's, it feels like if they play a certain team at the wrong time, it can get them. But I still like them right now way more than the other two teams I have right now. So, but yeah, Cleveland is three. Number four is the Los Angeles Clippers. Now I had a little hard time with four and five because they both have the same record. But the Clippers, to me, I just feel like have totally turned into a team that, fuck it, they're just healthy. They're healthy. This is what we've been screaming about the Clippers. If they're healthy, they can do damage, which we've all said. We've all known this. 35-17 and 17 is the record for the Clippers. Um, same record as the Cavs, and same record as my last team on this list. Well, nah, not the same record, but the same record as the Cavs. 35-17. Um, and 17. um James Harden has been more of a godsend than I thought he would be for the Clippers. I, I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. You know, I, I'm going to be the first to say it. I literally said that Philly stole from the, <laughs> from the Clippers, the heist and motherfuckers. And clearly I was wrong. James Harden has done an amazing job in L.A., man. He's done an amazing job. Maybe it's because of all the people that have said that he's done, he's finished. Like, you really are going to push this guy? Like, And he has 100% stepped up. He's played an amazing, an amazing, amazing, amazing game. Um, and um, he's having a great year. Again, also, health. We've all said this, man. Kawhi Leonard is healthy and Paul George is healthy. The Clippers are a good fucking team. They're a pretty good fucking team. Kawhi's healthy this year. For the first time in maybe, what, two, three years, he's fucking finally healthy. And he's playing every night. That's something that we have not seen from Kawhi Leonard, especially in L.A. He has not played every fucking game since he's been there. Well, this season's different. Same thing with Paul George. Everybody's playing up to the part that they're supposed to play. Russell Westbrook, too. This team is good. We've always said the Clippers, if they're healthy, they're a good fucking team. They're healthy, and now they got actual playmakers on the team. Now, that is something that the Clippers have kind of struggled with. They haven't really always had the key playmakers. Like a Kawhi, of course, he's never been there. Paul George, never really been there. But a Russell Westbrook who could get anybody going at any moment and get himself going at any time. He could, he's a walking triple fucking double. And then James Harden, who's also 
for his most prominent years was a walking triple fucking double. So now that the Clippers have those guys, and they actually also have the defensive structure that a Ty Lue has, the coach like a Ty Lue, he's what we think Doc Rivers is. I'm going to just say that right now. He's what we think Doc Rivers is. This team can be dangerous. They can get to the NBA Finals. This team can get to the NBA Finals. Keyword, if they're healthy. They got to stay healthy. I don't, I, don't, I don't give a fuck what happens. Particular, get, they're one of those teams too. The Celtics and Timberwolves, like, they're one of those teams too. Like, I don't give a fuck what happens in the regular season. What you going to do in the postseason? That's what the fuck I'm looking at. And the Clippers is one of those teams that is damn near that. The epitome of, yeah, you can do all that shit in the regular season, bro. Let me see what you're going to do in the postseason. They're that type of team. So I don't give a shit that the Clippers are 35 and 17 and second in the Western Conference. I don't give a fuck about that shit. When you get in the playoffs, what are you going to do? Are you going to be healthy? Because if you're healthy, we're having a different conversation. And if you're not, then it is what it is. And number five, with the record of 36 to 17, is the Thunder. Why the Thunder at five on my list, right? 36 to 17 are technically the second best team in the Western Conference behind the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, OKC has an MVP candidate in Say Gilgis Alexander. Um, they have a, a actual true uh third round pick. No, second round pick, second second pick in the draft, second overall pick, and Chad Holmgren, who let who literally did not play at all last year, um, now is playing. Um, this is exactly what I thought um, the Thunder could be with everybody healthy. Same thing, health. Unlike Minnesota, they're young. They're very fucking young. Now, I'm not saying Minnesota is young to the point where it's like. But Minnesota got veterans. Rudy Gobert. I think Mike Conley Jr. is on Minnesota. Like, they got veterans on that team, man. That's been through the ringer, been through those situations, been through those types of moments. That is not the same for OKC. Now, yeah, a Gordon Hayward and all of those other guys that they bought in, that's one thing. But for me personally, it's also, for me personally, it's also like a feeling of, the Thunder has got to prove something outside of this. The Thunder feel like the kings of last year. You know what I'm saying? Like they feel like the kings of last year, where, where they can they can they can definitely do damage in the playoffs if they get the right matchups. St. Gilbert Alexander could be to me an MVP candidate. It probably is an MVP candidate, and probably should be in the conversation to be an MVP because he's. Damn sure the best player on this damn team. <laughs> it's far and away. He's the best player on this damn team. If you watched him last year in the play-in for the Thunder and everybody, like he is that dude. He's solid. He's going to give you at least 20, 30 points a night. Um, I mean, the man got like he had a string of what 20 point games what, 13, 14 straight, like, I think he has, like, the most 30, 20, 30-point 30 games this season. 
he's that dude, man. And I think with the OKC Thunder again, if they can, they can. They're young. That's the only fear of the of the OKC Thunder. They're young. You don't know what they're gonna be when it's all said and done. And for me, I'm looking forward to seeing what OKC is gonna be. So uh, when it's all said and done, but um, I think OKC at least to get to the to the what's the kind of semifinals, or at least even the finals. I mean. They gotta have to go through Denver. They're gonna have to go through, you know, a Phoenix. They gotta go through a team that is gonna make them actually have to test who they are. They're not just gonna walk through the NBA, get to the Western Conference Finals. Hold on, no, no. But they have to walk through some teams. They might get tough. So, yeah. Now, like I said, the NBA uh, All Star Game is this weekend. So no NBA games this weekend. But they are college. Which brings me to my games to watch this weekend, college basketball edition. Um, y'all know how I do this skeptical game of the week, uh, my most interesting game of the weekend, my upset game of the weekend, and of course the game of the week. Now, let's get into it. Um, my skeptical game of the week for college basketball is Texas Tech versus Iowa State. Um, Texas Tech coming off of a massive beatdown of the Kansas uh, the Kansas Jayhawks um, this past Monday, uh, last night actually, beat the fucking brakes off Kansas. Um, going into Iowa State, who's a pretty good team this season, um, can Texas Tech can 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 Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders continue their 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 stride? I mean, that's kind of really where I have it as my skeptical game of the week. Iowa State is. Good, the Cyclones are an amazing team, but just like any game, what will prevail you? Texas Tech is not a bad team by no stretch of the imagination. They actually was ranked for a good portion of the season. So if they play Iowa State the way they played Kansas last night, they can get Iowa State. And and that's the that's really where this all brawls down to is what does Texas Tech really bring to the table? when they play Iowa State. Um, most interesting game of the week is Texas versus Houston. Yeah, I get it. Texas is not too great this season, but it takes a game like this that, that motivates you. This is an in-state rivalry. This is probably one of those games where you kind of like, a couple years ago, you probably would be like, man, this shit seems like a weird game to watch. But Texas needs a game like this. They need to get on this resume. They need to get themselves boosted up to get back into this, this conversation of possibly making uh, March Madness. And a late season game like this, because we don't we forget that March Madness is literally next fucking month. But a late season game like this against a team in Houston who's ranked third right now in the polls. If you can beat Houston, Texas... And you still got, I think you still maybe got one more game against Kansas. You probably got a game against Texas Tech, depending on how they play Iowa State. And they could be back in the polls, especially how they beat Kansas Monday. If you could come to Houston and beat Houston, now teams are looking at you now. And also with the Big 12 tournament coming up, that's a massive game to have under your ledger. So let's see how that's going to play out. Uh, for Houston, a lot, like a lot of teams, it's it's a touch and go situation right now for a lot of teams in this postseason. Uh, I mean, in the college in the college games, 
especially when you're in the top five because it's musical chairs. You don't know. But be 21-3 and three, uh, this season. This is one of those games. Moving to the Big 12, is. this is one of those games where you're going to have to prove yourself. You didn't do it last Saturday against Kansas. They beat the hell out of you. So you got to do it against Texas. And they're coming to your building. So you got to do it, man. My upset game of the week uh, is Kansas versus Oklahoma. Like I said, Kansas Monday last night got absolutely destroyed by Texas Tech. I didn't know how bad Kansas was on the road. This is a bad road team. And now you're playing against an Oklahoma team who's actually ranked and they can actually go up and down the court on you. So I don't like this game for fucking Kansas. I don't like it. It's a road game. You just you just lost. The way you lost to Texas Tech is only so much Bill Self can actually tell you to get yourself get your shit motivated. Like get yourselves motivated. This is some game. This is a game where you're gonna have to figure it out. And the game of the week is clearly Marquette versus UConn. Number four versus number uh, one. This is a game where everybody's going to be tuned in. Why? Because like I just said, Marquette's four, UConn is one. UConn feels like a team this season that, yeah, they're number one team, but nobody's really talking about them, which is weird. We're talking about Purdue. Moments here and now about Kansas, uh, you know, Houston, uh, North Carolina, Duke. You know, certain, you know, the normal teams, Kentucky and shit like that. But you kind of feel like a team that's just under fucking rated. Like, like to be the number one team in a college, in a college, we don't talk about UConn. I've not heard a lot of people that, yeah, UConn is great this year. Like, I've not heard one fucking person. And it's even crazier because they actually won the title last year. It's like, and nobody's talking about them. That is the weirdest shit. And Marquette is always a team that you feel like can always turn it around and be that team. But Marquette's another one that's the four. But you're like, oh, they're four. Like, hey, okay, that makes sense. I don't know. It's just weird. It's a weird, it's a weird game. But it's also, I think, it's going to be the most defensive savvy game. This is going to be a hard, like, I don't think either team goes over 60. This, I'd be surprised if one of these teams hit 60. Because it's going to feel like an old Big East type of game. And I and I think that if that is the case, I think UConn could get it. They're at home. They have to win this game. So, yeah, I got UConn um, in this one. <sighs> but that, it's I believe sports, man. Next week I'll be back. More. And I um, hope you guys enjoyed this. Until next time, I'm Brandon Janu. Peace.